come through to Smith. It does so. He's going for goal. That's an excellent effort. That is a brilliant goal. Jimmy Smith celebrates. And why not? An absolute Christmas cricket. Welcome back to another episode of Red Tinted Glasses. And it's another special episode, Callum, being joined by former player James Smith today. Oh, look at us go. Two in a row. Look at us flying. I know, we're moving up the pecking order. Jamie, welcome to you and thanks very much for taking the time out of your day to speak to us. No, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you guys reaching out to me. Um, I listened to the the interview with Richie and it was, you guys are doing a great job. It's really professional. It was it was very engaging and um, yeah, just happy to, happy to chat with you guys. Yeah, well, we appreciate your your kind words and also for um you know responding to us. You know we know you're a busy guy over in America, which is where you are just now. So to take your time out and and spend the time chatting to us is really appreciated. A pleasure. Um, so, um, you played 102 times for Aberdeen and scored 18 goals. We'll get to your time at Aberdeen in a while, but I think we should just take it back to the kind of the beginning. You started your footballing career um, Celtic. Um, how much did your time at Celtic develop you as a player? And did you learn a lot from kind of the players you, you spent a lot of time with at Celtic? Yeah, listen, I grew up in Glasgow as a Celtic fan. And, and to get the privilege to play for the club that you support, your hometown club, is, is, is a great honour. Uh, and then, obviously, my time there, I was, I was really kind of blessed with excellent coaches um, played with good players both at the kind of youth academy and then obviously the first team. Um, I probably come into the first team <laughs> for a young player. I probably come into the first team at the worst time because it's arguably the strongest Celtic team in, in decades, you know. Yeah. But but with that, there came this just wealth of experience for me and just just having the ability to train every day with like top top players and. Being a really high level environment, um, it was it was massive for like my my career. Um, it was a, it was a great kind of a great foundation for me to go on and have have a full career. Um, and yeah, like like I said, just 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 to be around that environment on a, on a daily basis and be around those players and watching them and training with them, playing against them, playing with them every single day was was massive. It was it was it was really it was really really good to be a part of. Yeah, and you said obviously you grew up as a Celtic fan. That must have meant a lot to you then being part of the squad and being named on the bench in the UEFA Cup final, albeit you know the result didn't go your way. So Aberdeen still remained the, the uh, team with two European trophies, but still a good experience um, for you personally. Yeah, again, ju- just just to be just to be around the team at that time. I mean, we we had some world class players at Celtic at that time. I mean. You're talking about like Henrik Larsson, who who went on to do great things at Barcelona and played for Manchester United, mm-hmm. uh, and, and there was a there was a whole bunch of other players that were just they, they were just they, they were they were really first rate players, and um, the whole the whole season so for, for the UEFA Cup was was amazing. You know, I, th- I think um, may, may, maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but I'm I'm sure for I, I was certainly on the fringes of the group at that point, but um, we we certainly kind of felt there was something special in the kind of in the works at that point, um, and obviously we you know to go through the whole experience with the UEFA Cup and get to the final, and and 
maybe in typical kind of Scottish fashion, you know, you get so close and you don't quite get there at the end, you know. Um, but j just to experience it, just to be around the group um, at that time was amazing. I thought in the final we were, we played against the top quality, uh, Porto, Jose Mourinho sides. A lot of those players went on to, to kind of um, bigger and better things. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was wonderful to be a part of. It's something that obviously I'll I'll never forget as, as, a, as a young player. Um, and again, the fact that it was a team that I, I grew up supporting, it was my hometown team. It's, it was it was really it was really amazing. And uh, junior time at Celtic in those years, uh, in 2003, played twice for Scotland against Ireland and Austria. How did you find uh, getting involved in that sort of setup? How was it for you? It was great, yeah, just to get called up and to get to get the recognition. Um, Bertie Volks was the manager to get the recognition at the time. It was was wonderful. Again, you know, like I, I grew up a Celtic fan and um, it, it was a team that I supported. But um, to play for your country, and I, I played for my country at youth level, pretty much at every age group, U15s and up. Um, but to get the full recognition of a full national team call-up was, was amazing. Um, probably didn't play as much for the national team as I would have liked to, uh, but that's, I'm not, I'm not complaining. I, I got to represent my country in some fashion. And again, Scotland team at the time were also very good. You know, a lot of experienced players. Um, we had a really good setup, And yeah, that was, that was again, it was another privilege. Yeah, and you, know, you mentioned that there, sort of having the privilege to do so. That's sort of something that you know every young boy growing up really wants to do: play for Scotland, play for their uh, hometown team. You did both of those, um, but unfortunately, the time did come where you did leave Celtic. Did you feel it was sort of the right time for you uh, to go? Yeah, I think it was. Um, I'd, I, I got offered a contract. It was a two-year contract at Celtic at the time, and Martin O'Neill was the coach, and the gaffer basically said, "Listen." You're, you're not going to play as much as you want to or as much as you probably need to. Um, but based on the last like four years that I'd played for him, he said there's a contract on the table. But I just felt it was, you know, it, it was that time in my career where I had to be playing regularly, regular first-team football. And um, it, was, it was a really tough decision because Celtic was all that I'd known since I was like 12 years old. Mm. Uh, 13 years old so it was it was a really big decision it was uh, m moving on from Celtic was strange it was difficult to kind of cope with I guess initially um, but at the time I just felt from my own kind of football career it was it was what was required just to actually play competitive football week in week out mm. and and leaving Celtic you went to abroad you went to Holland and spent a season with um, Ado Denhard was was that the kind of only option you had, or was there options to stay in Scotland? Was you know, was there an attraction going abroad for you personally? It wasn't the only option. There was a couple other options down in England and and, and also in Scotland with, with Aberdeen. Actually, I know that uh, Jimmy Caldwell was interested and in, in really interested in signing me. Um, mm -hmm. I think the option to go to Holland was it was again a big decision because it's not really. Orthodox for like a you know a Scottish player to, to leave the British Isles, um, maybe a little bit more so now, but back then it wasn't really. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I think now as a even as a coach, a youth coach now, I kind of normally challenge the status quo when it comes to the coaching stuff. And I think at the time it's probably a decision that I made was 
let's do something a little bit different. Um, it was exciting. It was going to a different country, different culture, different sort of style of football. Um, and it was a massive challenge, you know, different language. It was a massive challenge. So um, mm. when, when the opportunity came up, it was one that I thought, no, I think this is going to help me. And the fact that Den Hager, they're an Eredivisie club, so they've, they've, they've been in the top division for a long time. They're a really good club. Uh, they're certainly not one of the bigger clubs in, in Holland. Um, mm-hmm. They've got a really loyal fan base and support. Um, so it probably was good for me at that point because I was pretty much guaranteed to play quite a lot of football, you know? Yeah, um, it's funny. I was speaking to one of my friends at work today. Um, he always has interesting facts about um, former players. And funnily enough, he actually watched you playing for Den Haag. He was living in The Hague at the time. And he remembers you playing um, and beating Feyenoord 2-0. And he says the guys around him in the crowd just said, pass the ball to Jamie, pass the ball to Jamie. And he <laughs> remembers messaging his friends back in Aberdeen saying, and it's funny, obviously, you said, you know, there's kind of some interest from Aberdeen. And um, he said, text his mates and said, you know, we need to get this guy signed up for Aberdeen. So he was claiming part, you know, influence in the decision for yeah. you to uh, come to Aberdeen. But, you know, what was it like playing in those sort of big games in Holland? Uh, it, it wasn't my agent, was it? Who <laughs> <laughs> um, probably wishes it, he was. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, at the time, playing Holland was, was excellent. Again, first of all, it was just, it was regular first-team football. It was, it was playing week in, week out. There was obviously the challenges of adapting to a brand new team with like a who all spoke a different language, uh, and and a culture and a football environment that I wasn't used to. Um, so there was there was a lot of challenges, but um, listen, we, we we played against some excellent teams in Holland. The, foot, the football there is different from Scotland. It's a lot more football based. Um, <coughs> there was a lot of young players coming through at the time. It was, I mean. The Ajax team that we played against was full of like Dutch stars, you know, and same with PSV Eindhoven and Feyenoord. So the the overall experience was, again, it was it was one where I was taking way up my comfort zone, playing week playing weekend week out, which I wasn't used to. But obviously, the other challenges involved were, I think, it really set me up for what was to come next in my career, you know. Mm-hmm. How do you feel sort of standard compared with uh, what you'd experienced in Scotland before? Obviously, you're playing every week, but uh, was it sort of a big difference, a big step up, or much the same? Um, the <clears throat> the stakes are the same. They're high. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goals are the same. You want to win every week. You want to win every game. The football was different. There was more of an emphasis on, like... Um, actually getting the ball down and playing. Um, mm-hmm. the, the coaching was different for sure. Um, actually, the coaching, uh, the year I spent in Holland, kind of put me in a good spot for moving to Aberdeen because obviously Jimmy's got he's a big background mm-hmm. and being a coach in Holland as well. Um, but yeah, j- just the, I think people, the, the kind of people think that Scottish football is really physical, which it is, but all football is physical, right? Even out here mm-hmm. in the United States, it's a physical sport. There's a lot of great athletes mm-hmm. out here. But there, there was a huge emphasis on getting the ball down and playing. Um, so the, you, you didn't see a lot of just like, you know, keeper keepers wearing punting the ball a lot. It wasn't going to like the, the fullbacks and just getting smashed up front. Um, it, it was different from that. It was really there was more of a tactical emphasis on it, which which was great. 
Um, I kind of saw myself as being a footballer that could want the ball at my feet, want the ball on the ground. And but again, the level in Holland is, and I think you've you, you're seeing it. You're, you've seen it more recently with the the kind of Ajax teams that have done really well in Champions League and. Dutch football's historically always been really good, and even when they've had their kind of like times, the periods when they've dipped, when Dutch football in general's dipped a little bit, the football's always still been there. It's always been really good. Mm. And you did sort of mention earlier, not many players sort of did that going abroad, especially from Scotland. And um, we are sort of seeing it a bit more. Sort of Ryan Gold ended up in Portugal. Liam Henderson playing in Italy. Even Jack Hendry right now playing in Belgium. And one of our own, uh, Frank Ross, got released by Aberdeen, and now he's playing forward Jimmy Calderwood's former clubs, uh, Go Ahead Eagles. Is it something you'd sort of encourage more for uh, young players from Scotland to go and experience that, experience playing a different league, different kind of coaching, different styles? Listen, I think it's, for me, it was a great football experience. It was great to, again, just to experience those challenges, to be taken out the comfort zone. Again, all I knew was Celtic. Uh, I would never say that, certainly not in that Celtic team, I was ever in my comfort zone, not at all. But it was it was great to experience. Um, it's not for everyone, um, but if, if it's you know if you if you find yourself if if you're a young player that finds himself in a position where that would be exciting for them, um, I guarantee you're going to benefit from it. You know um, because places like Holland, Belgium, football is good, and the leagues maybe aren't. But the Belgian league maybe isn't the biggest league. But there's there's good teams there that play good football. I think you look at Europa League this year and Rangers have played mm-hmm. Standard Liège. They're a good team, you know. I watched the game last week at Ibrooks. Mm-hmm. They they they're 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 a good team, you know. So the football is good, and I'm kind of the opinion that you know you, you can always learn, right? You can always improve. And sometimes it's learning what not to do or learning from bad experiences, but you can always be learning from these things, you know. And for me, it was, from a football, it was really, really beneficial at that time. And then once you left Holland, uh, came to Aberdeen in the 05-06 season, sorry, uh, playing 40 games, scoring nine goals. What, so how did that move come about and what influenced you in coming? Was it Jimmy Calderwood once again uh, coming back in for you? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, Jimmy showing an interest again. That was certainly part of it. The other part was more personal. My, my, my son was still a baby at the time. He, he wasn't. He was still really young, mm-hmm. and my wife was pregnant. Um, so um, my wife had kind of moved back early because, again, we were there with two, two young kids, and she was mm-hmm. pregnant. And obviously, I'm traveling. I'm training every day. I'm playing games. Um, it made sense for her to move back. So she moved back around Christmas time. Um, so for the, the last part of the season, I was I, I was there on my own. Um, so I, I kind of said I'm really going to kind of knuckle down, focus on my football. Um, it was great. I'd signed a three-year contract, but at the end of the season, I spoke to the coach at the time and just said, "Listen, my, my wife's back home. I, I, you know, it, I need to get back home." Um, and so the fact that Jimmy was had, had shown an interest the year before and again. Was, was a huge kind of like component to me deciding that Aberdeen was going to be a, a really positive move for me and my family. But yeah, that's like definitely it. And 
it's good to hear Jimmy has sort of came back in for you. We're very glad that he did. Yeah, um, but was there sort of any options elsewhere, probably in Scotland again, you'd consider? Or was Aberdeen sort of the main, the main idea you were hoping to go back to? Yeah, I'd spoken to my agent. There was definitely some offers. There was some, some other options. Um, but like I said, it was, it was, my wife was, she was pregnant. Um, mm -hmm. My kids were still very young. All of her family are in Scotland, so mm -hmm. um, there was some other interest in Scotland, but Aberdeen was by far the, the most appealing for me. The, so it's, Aberdeen is a massive club in Scotland, and, and, and to get that opportunity, was it, it kind of just made sense, both professionally and personally for the family. Yeah, that's definitely very good to hear. But, and um, sort of, Jimmy Calder, we've mentioned a few times already, How just how was he for you? How did you find uh, working with Jimmy? I loved it. I loved it. Um, he's Jimmy's obviously a big personality guy, big character person, right? He's he's um, you know he's he's I'm sure you guys have seen like whether it be interviews that he's had or just you know like he, he's he's a huge character guy, mm -hmm. and um, I, I love working for him. It's funny him and Jimmy Nick and Sandy are all. They were all like obviously it's, it's well documented they're big Rangers fans you know mm. um, and for me to be a former Celtic player the, the the banter was great it was you know there was a lot of winding each other up and and stuff like that um, but it was it, it, it was I love working for Jimmy I love working for all three Jimmy uh, Jimmy Nick and Sandy it was it was just a it, it was he's one of my, one of the of all the managers that I've had, he's been one of my favourites for sure. Just, just purely because of who he is. He's, he's a big people person. I think Richie mentioned this in his, his podcast. You know, like um, Jeremy was interested in people with like high character. You know, and people that were honest and hardworking, and um, that's how he was. And if, if you showed that, you got on great with him because he, you know, he, he could, he could. He could light you up when you when you had to hear it, and at the same time he was he was he wasn't he wasn't slow and giving you praise when when it was deserved, you know. But he was he was honest with you, and he was yeah. I, I loved it. I love working uh, with, with the coaching staff and at, at that time at Aberdeen. It's it's great to hear you speak so positively of Jimmy, and obviously it's a shame with his illness just now. But um, just out of curiosity, you know, you're doing work at um, Nashville. Now you're the academy director there, which we will come on to. But um, just with how positively you speak of Jimmy and the way he was, do you think, do you think his style, is that rubbed off on you now later on in your career, now working with, with youth players over in America? Of course, of course. Uh, so, so the culture out here is different, right? Um, mm -hmm. The kids, even just... In, society today the kids are different from like when I grew up as a kid that went through the Celtic Academy and I had amazing coaches at Celtic Academy you know Willie McStay, Danny McGrain, Kenny McDowell, Eric Black these are like these were like high character guys and excellent coaches but uh, working for Jimmy and in working for all, basically all the managers that I've, that I've worked under you know there's positives and there's negatives you can take and um is 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 all good coaches are we beg steal and borrow ideas and things and I think we, we draw upon our experiences uh, and and we use that it kind of it kind of shapes and molds you um, as you move forward and obviously I'm 
I'm working in, in youth football now or youth soccer out here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but all those experiences and all the all the positives that I've taken from the, the different managers that I've worked with, it's, it's absolutely helped shape me and how I interact and, and work with the kids that I'm dealing with now. Yeah, um, that's it's good to hear. I, I did. I was when we were doing the research. I was watching on the Nashville FC website. The they've got like a fifteen minute clip of the round table on the the youth academy page. So you were kind of hosting the call with some of the players and the general manager. So it was good to see even that sort of kind of interaction and how easily available it is for for the, the kids over there. Um, but back to Aberdeen. Um, and your you know, you made your debut in the 05-06 season. Three competitive games in, we're playing Rangers at home. And up steps Jamie Smith in the 88th minute, rifling the ball into the bottom corner. What was that like? Yeah, it was, it was my first goal for Aberdeen. It just so happened to be against Rangers. Yeah, what a way uh, to make yourself an instant hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know the history between Aberdeen and Rangers fans. Uh, there's a... There's a it goes back a long way, um, but listen, if you know to, to score your first goal for a club is always a, a really good time um, to score a goal on, on that occasion. And it was, you know, we're up two zero. Rangers come back to two two, yeah. and then he scored in the last couple of minutes to make it three two and win the game. And again, just so happened to be against Rangers. Um, yeah, it was it was great. You know, the first thing the gaffer said when I got in the dressing room after the game was, "I you would have never done that against Celtic, would you?" Yeah. <laughs> and he said it with a lot of jest, and it was a lot. Mm-hmm. It was it was obviously very very kind of like it was it was light hearted the way he said it. But it, yeah, he, he made sure I knew that. Yeah, you would never have done that against Celtic, would you? <laughs> I think it's you know it's a goal that so many of us like growing up in that area you know, myself included, you know, in the weeks, months, probably even still, a goal we all dream as Aberdeen fans of scoring, you know, a last-minute winner against Rangers. Remember even in the playground or the park, trying to our best to, like, recreate that goal. But, you know, that season, we actually went unbeaten against Rangers, which was obviously a good achievement given our previous history against them. Um, And you actually scored again in the other home game, um, my friend who will be listening to this, Ross Nicholson, we had a long debate because I was convinced it was Fern Snoyle that got the opener. Um, but he actually assisted. And I remember that game because it was played in horrendous snow. I don't know if you remember that one at all. Yeah, I remember the game. It was, again, you know, that nice weather that comes off the North Sea in yeah. the middle of winter. Um, and it's funny because I think the, the two centre-backs for Rangers were Kiriakos, who was Greek, and... Uh, and Marvin Andrews, who's from like, Trinidad and Tobago, yeah. not, not not two places that are uh, in the world that are kind of experience loads of weather like that. Um, mm-hmm. I think by half time they both get subbed out because they were just too cold. <laughs> but um, no, Fern Snoyle actually, when I played my, my first game in, in the Netherlands, first game in Holland for, for Den Haag, was mm-hmm. I played directly against Fern Snoyle. Okay. I, actually played, I actually played quite well that day. And then obviously we the next season I'm at Aberdeen and we, we signed him on loan. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, listen, the, like that that season was a great first season for me to have personally, but it was a mm-hmm. great season for the team because the Gaffer signed a few new players, myself, Barry Nicholson, Stevie Lovell. Um, the nucleus of the squad was already really strong. I felt was really strong at that time. 
Um, and for me, just personally, it was just a great first season to, to come in and play for the club and, yeah, scored a few goals, a few, a few important ones. And, um, but it was, it was really just, it was, you know, again, even personally, it was, it was quick to settle into the city. Aberdeen's a great city. It's, it's, um, I had a young family at the time. My, my daughter was, my youngest daughter was just born. Um, so it was, it was, it's a great place to be for the family. But again, football-wise, playing in Scotland, playing at a great level in, in Scottish football, and playing for a club that is, you know, for me is outside of the old firm is the biggest club in Scotland. Was I, I was really, really enjoying my, my football at that time. Uh, it's, it's good to hear. Obviously, you wouldn't have been enjoying the nightlife as much as Richie was, which I think was an attraction for him <laughs> um, coming north. But, you know, you said, you know, we did have a good team um, in 05-06. And, you know, probably feel a bit aggrieved to have missed out on maybe like Europe. But, you, you know, you speak about how big Aberdeen were as a club. And one game that season that always stick in the memory was it was an away trip to Inverness where we needed three points to secure top six football. Um, and, you know, you kind of look at Aberdeen nowadays and you think, God, is, this is where we, where we were and to where we are now. But it was Steve Lovell chipped the keeper in about the 83rd minute, I think it was, to put us 1-0 up. And the reason why I remember that game is because it's the first game I've been at where I've seen fans invade the pitch at, um, at a goal. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much you remember from that day, but um, if you do remember, did, you kind of, did that kind of give you the sense of just how important you know games are to the fans as well? Yeah, I think I think the the the, the kind of the carrot, that dangling carrot of European football for a club like Aberdeen, who historically have got um, you know they've had a lot of success in Europe, as we all know. Um, that's 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 always something a club like Aberdeen should be looking at um, every single season. You know, it's something they should be trying to attain is European football. Uh, and um, I, I think by that point, I had a very good gauge of the the Aberdeen fans, the fan base, the you know how how serious it was for the city. Don't forget, we're you know we're the only team in the city. Um, mm-hmm. You know, third biggest city in Scotland, the only the only team in that city with a really passionate fan base. And again, to to when that when that kind of European carrot's been dangled in front of your noses, it's it's something that I just feel it's something that's massively important, not just for the individual player or the club, but for the, the city. Because I think Aberdeen's just it's just a reflection of the whole city. You know, uh, the club's mm-hmm. just a reflection of the city. So. Uh, it's something that a club like Aberdeen should be looking to attain every single year because it's a club of, you know, that size. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And going into the next season, uh, six or seven, uh, not much cup success, um, but we did end up qualifying for Europe uh, on the last day. How was that for you? It was great. Um, obviously, I had a few, quite a few injuries that season. I think I had two surgeries mm-hmm. on my hernia. Um, so my season was very much stop-start. It wasn't uh, exactly how I would have wanted it to go. Um, but to, I think I played the last game of the season against Rangers. You did, yeah. Um, it was actually probably one of my best games for Aberdeen. I didn't score, but it, <laughs> I felt as it was one of my best games, considering that I'd been injured for a huge part of the season. 
And in that game, I played centre midfield, which was, it wasn't too uncommon for me, but I hadn't played there kind of prior um, in, in my games for, for Aberdeen. So, again, ju- just just to, to play in that game, to, to, to win it again against Rangers, um, and to, 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 to play a small part in the success of that season, making Europe was, was huge. It was, it, was, it was just so enjoyable. Um, again, like I think Richie mentioned this, but uh, the, the the team was it was a, a really good group of players. You know, um, the locker room was great. The the um, it was it was it was it was great to be a part of. It was great to go to work every day. And although I missed big parts of that season through injury after the two surgeries that I had, um, you know, playing in the last game. You know, there was never a time when I was injured that I felt as though I wasn't part of the squad. We had a great physiotherapist, John Sharp. Sharpie was great. Um, he, he made sure that, you know, like from a recovery standpoint, that things were getting done properly. Uh, he was very big on getting injured players out to training. And just, just to, even if it, they weren't taking part in training, just being around it, just even if you're just walking around the field, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was just a, it was just a, you know, it was, it, Great, great club, great group of players to be to play with. Uh, great staff that we had, from the coaching staff to the medical staff. It was, it was, it was very. I keep I keep repeating myself here. It was very enjoyable. Yeah, and um, you know, in that game as well, you know, you you saw what it meant to the fans. Obviously, beating Rangers um was a bonus as qualifying for Europe. But again, fans invaded the pitch. You, know, you you speak positively about Aberdeen and you know the you know the one team one city and what it means to the fans. What, what was your kind of relationship with the fans? Did you, did you have a, a positive one? For me, really positive. Um, the, the fans were great to me. Um, scoring I, against Rangers helps. <laughs> scoring against Rangers helps. So scoring a couple against Rangers helps. Uh, the, the fan the fans were always great with me. Um, I know that. Um, like like all football fans, the, the, you know, there's, there's always elements of the support that can sometimes be a little bit fickle and maybe not see things realistically. But honestly, my my my, my whole experience with, with the fans in Aberdeen was, was nothing but positive. You know, like um, I, th- I think Aberdeen Aberdeen fans are honest. I think if you come in, and you you work really hard and you show that you care about what you do, you care about the club and. Um, yeah, you, you make mistakes. Every, every single player does, but I think if you show the attitude that's that's deserving of a club like Aberdeen um, and reflects what an Aberdeen player should be like, then the fan, the fans that that doesn't go amiss. And I think the fans, for me, my experience was nothing but positive. Nothing but positive. Like, there's, there's not a bad thing I can say about Aberdeen fans at any moment. No, I think I think that's a fair point about the attitude as well. Yep, uh, definitely. And you, interesting, you mentioned that that was probably one of your um, best games of the season against Rangers on the last day. I'm sure Jimmy was quick to probably mention that again. <laughs> um, but you said also how good that Aberdeen team was. And I'm going to spring a question on you that Richie didn't like me asking because he had to pick one. Um, who was sort of the, your favourite player to play with? Maybe not the best, but your favourite player to play with uh, in that Aberdeen team? Yeah, I'm going to probably express the same concern that Richie expressed. Yeah. <laughs> saying, Thanks for throwing that question on me. Um, That's why we like to give you the questions in advance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
listen, I, I could name so many players. I could go through the list. Um, I think the players that really stood out in my time at Aberdeen, obviously, uh, was Russell, our captain, who is the model professional for any young player. Um, came through the Aberdeen youth system from Aberdeen. Was a massive representative of the club on and off the field. Um, another guy for signed Seve the year before me. Seve was a great player, uh, great pro again. Uh, Barry Nick, Chrissy Clark was a Chris Clark. Barry Nicholson, excellent footballers, really really good footballers. Um, probably one player that I think maybe didn't get the credit deserved was Michael Hart. Michael Hart was an amazing defender. I hated playing against him when Michael was fully fit. I hated playing against him in training because he was so good, and I think. You know, when, when he was fully fit, like some of his mm-hmm. uh, performances for Aberdeen, certainly the the 06, 07 season when I was maybe spending more time in the treatment room, Michael was playing most of the time. What a great defender Michael was. What a good, what a good footballer he was. And I, me, me and Michael kind of grew up playing with each other, against each other, down in Glasgow and um, growing up. Um, but what what a great footballer Michael was. But again, listen, I can... You know, I, I, I try and say to our young players, it takes more than being a good football player to be a good football player, right? And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is it's, it's not just about what you do. It's not always just about what you do on the field, right? A lot of it's who you are off the field. Um, mm-hmm. we, we're in the people business. We deal with people every day. That's that's the kind of business that we're in. Um, but play, look, Michael never get the credit he deserved because he was a great footballer. He was a great football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, um yeah, listen, we had a lot of good soccer players, sorry, sorry, footballers. Like, <laughs> Rich, Richie was great for the club. Richie was, when, again, when Richie was fully fit and when he was fully engaged, he was, he was a, I hated playing against Richie in training as well <laughs> because he was, just, he was a good 1v1 defender, you know. He was quick, he was powerful, he was committed. He had a good left foot. Um, big Andy Considine, who's obviously recently great success with the national team. Another great, at the time, very young lad, but very, very, very good, very committed, very professional player. Um, there's so many. I think if I had to choose one, though, it's, it, for me, it's a, it's a choice between Russell and Michael Hart because and, and it probably sounds funny coming from an attacking player <laughs> like two defenders. It's probably just because I hated playing against them and training so much because they, they, were, they were honestly really, really good footballers and really good guys. No, that's, that's fair enough. Um, sort of maybe not favourite player you played against but um, going as an away as a player for the away team what was your favourite ground to play at and sort of like going back uh, to Celtic Park how did you find that and maybe going back to Ibrox as well being an ex-Celtic player and then an Aberdeen player how did you find that? Yeah listen Celtic Park and Ibrox are two big boys in Scottish football um, I probably can't say Celtic Park on European nights because as an Aberdeen player, I was when I experienced Celtic Park on a European night, it was as a Celtic player. Mm-hmm. Uh, the atmosphere at Parkhead on a European night is is really special. Um, Ibrooks, obviously, with the history between Aberdeen and Rangers, uh, Ibrooks is always a, a great place to go and play, especially that first season when we, I think we drew drew both games at Ibrooks. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Being, yeah. Um, that, that's all. That was always good. But the Rangers fans are incredibly passionate. Great support. Um, huge stadium. Um, played it. Going to play for Celtic in that uh, the 
UEFA Cup run. We played we played the game at Anfield against Liverpool in the quarter final, and I came on for the last like maybe fifteen minutes or so, twenty minutes. Um, excellent atmosphere at Anfield. They played at Old Trafford. <laughs> there's there's quite a few. I loved the atmosphere when we played um, Atletico Madrid uh, in the yeah. in the the UEFA Cup um, for, for for the Dons. That that was. It's a great. It was a great old stadium, the Vicente Calderon Stadium. The fans mm-hmm. were excellent. Um, poof, best stadium probably Anfield. I've got to say Anfield because the Liverpool fans. I've, I've always had a soft spot for Liverpool growing up because of mm-hmm. the Celtic connection with Canada, Leeds, and people like that. Um, but yeah, I would say probably best away grounds is. Uh, I was fortunate to play there on a big European night. It was probably Anfield. Yeah, no, so. A fair answer. Um, so you speak about European nights, um, and you you touched there briefly um, the trip to trip to Madrid. So you got to experience European nights with Aberdeen, um, but your the o seven o eight season didn't get off to the best of starts for you um, personally. Um, obviously, the the preseason trip to Egypt, which I was looking through the Aberdeen Heritage site today at the the way the results went, there was a few crazy games, but you were actually, you and Michael Hart were involved in a car crash as well. That must have been a pretty scary experience, obviously being in a foreign country as well. Yeah. So, so the um, first of all, we we go to pre-season in Egypt in like <laughs> Ju- July or whenever it is, right? First, whoever made that decision, I don't know, right? But, Jimmy Calderwood obviously wanted a good tan that year. <laughs> the, the weather wasn't good in Mallorca that year. No. <laughs> They wanted to go somewhere hotter, um, so that that was that was the first mistake I think. Um, going to Egypt in the middle of July for preseason. Um, no, we went to, we went there. We played a couple of games. We trained. Um, it was an experience uh, for sure. Uh, the we had a game one night, and me and I think we played. A, I think we played a couple of games, and the gaffer had said that me and Michael were just we weren't even going to get dressed. We weren't even going to get stripped. So we did night off. So Mike's like, do you want to go for just like, we'll go to the beach and we'll go for a little drive around and see what the place is like? And we were allocated a driver um, as part of the, the, the whole package to go on pre-season there. So we got the driver, we jumped in the car, we, went, we headed out to the beach, we were in Alexandria. And I don't know if you guys have ever been in Egypt, right? But um, the whole driving road system is an absolute shambles, right? It was like, we this drive, it honestly, it was like, it was like the wacky races, Dastardly and Motley, right? It was mental. There was like a three-lane road, uh, a three-lane road, but there's like six, six cars wide, right? It was just a total free-for-all. Everyone driving, doing whatever they want. So we'd stopped at this place and we went for a walk. We went down the beach and kind of, you know, as I wandered about and we come back, we met we met the, the kind of driver and he'd parked just basically beside this road. So we jumped in the car and again, it was like, it was like a, a two or three lane road, but it was like five or six cars deep, five or six mm-hmm. cars wide. And um, this guy, he's just said, okay, we're ready. And we're like, yeah, and I'm, I'm literally just putting my, I'm, I'm in the back seat and I'm putting my seatbelt on. And the guy pulls out and he pulls out and he absolute mayhem. And the next thing I know, there's a big bang. My head hits the windscreen or the, 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 the window and we're facing the other way. And what's like, just again, just mayhem coming towards us, all this traffic. So that that was that wasn't a good start to the yeah it wasn't a good start to the season. 
I think I played the next night or two nights later. I played the next game. I mean, I felt totally fine. Got a little bit of a scare, obviously, as you mm-hmm. do when, when you're in a little bump. But um, it was nothing. It was nothing. It wasn't like a. I wouldn't describe it as a car crash. It was just a. Yeah, just a, a result of being in the madness of um, in wacky races. <laughs> the wacky races. What, what while spending pre-season and. Egypt in the middle of July. Yeah, I'll always remember that pre-season for the... I can't remember if it was Kareem Tuzani or not, but there's a photo and it came out in the local press of the players riding the camels. And, uh, yeah, just kind of summed up the that, the craziness of that trip. Well, what, what, we, went, we went to the pyramids one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously it's, like, you know, amazing to go and see. Then we were warned that, like, that those guys that will offer you oh, we can take you to the top of the Great Pyramid and all that, but it's like there's, there's just loads of scams, right? So mm-hmm. one of the boys, it might have been like, I don't know if it was maybe like a Chris McGuire who was like just on, <laughs> you know, a young kid on pre-season. Chris was a great young kid. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed, to be honest, but <laughs> but but a really good young kid. And and one of the guys said, oh, well, do you want to go for a camel ride? And Chris is like, yeah, yeah. And Chris jumps on the camel and the thing stands up and the guy's like, right, give me like so many euros or whatever it was. You know? and Chris is stuck up on top of this camel and um, the guy wasn't going to let him back down until he gave him 20 euros or whatever it was. Uh, and Chris, Chris, I'm sure Chris had a few choice words for him. But um, no, it, listen, it was, it was, I think, the year before we went to, to Johannesburg, which was... Mm-hmm. Uh, South Africa, which was another interesting pre-season spot. Yeah, Richie's, Richie had a few stories on that. Well, we, 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 we arrived at the airport, and we pick up our bags, and we walk out, and there's immediately armed guards that are like, escorting us to the bus. So straight away, the alarm bells are ringing, you know, like, <laughs> freaking armed guards here, hold on, what's going on? Mm. And we, we drive up to this compound, and it was this, this big hotel, casino, amusement kind of compound <laughs> in Johannesburg. And you drive up to the gates, and there's like guys holding like AK 47s as guards, and you're going, Hold on a minute here, like, what, what's going on? Um, that was a, it was a good pre season, it was interesting. Egypt was interesting, it was good. Um, probably the south of Spain would have been much better, though, you know. <laughs> um. Back to the 07-08 season, obviously, you know, we've touched on European nights. So you got to experience your first European night with Aberdeen in the in the home game against Dnipro. Um, my memories of that game was it was quite a cagey game. Uh, obviously, we'd come away with a nil-nil draw. What was your initial thoughts, you know, at full time and, and heading over to the Ukraine? Were you guys confident we could get the job done over there? So... In, in typical kind of like European, like approaching a European like kind of knockout game, right? You, you know that if you can deny the opponents a goal at home, there's always a chance to go away and, mm-hmm. and try and sneak something. And, and, and quite honestly, that that's kind of what we did. Dnipro were a massively talented team. Like, I mean, they had some excellent players. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe the home game at Pataudry, you didn't see it as much. Certainly the away game. They had really good players. Like they, they had yeah. some UK internationals that went on to do like play at higher levels and stuff. They were really, really good. Um, I remember the game at Pataudry was a bit of a kind of no score bore. You know, like we, nothing really happened. We we kind of mm-hmm. defended our goal pretty well. They did the same. There wasn't too many chances. But going over there, you know, again, you know, you kept you keep a clean sheet at home. There's always a chance that you can you can maybe sneak something. And honestly, that's what we did. But again, 
I say we managed to sneak something. It's a game of football, right? You've got to attack efficiently. You've got to defend efficiently. And that night, defensively, we were fantastic. I mean, Jamie Langfield made some saves. Michael Hart was playing. He was back to full fit. I mean, that was... It was a great team performance. Um, obviously, Rich, Ricky Foster got a great goal, a great cross for Darren's header in typical mm. Darren Mackey fashion. Just throws himself at the ball and ends up yeah. the back of the net. And Darren was great. That Darren was Darren was another player that was I think had a bit of a love hate relationship with the Aberdeen fans. But yeah. Darren was a really good player, really good guy. Got on great with Daz. Um, and he always did a really good job of like at certain times he would come up with like goals that you really needed um, mm-hmm. and I think um, I don't want to presume anything but I think that maybe some of the some of the you know some of the relationships that he had with the Aberdeen fans were maybe a bit uncalled for because Darren, Darren was a, a player that came through again from the Aberdeen area came through the youth system nothing but committed to the club worked his backside off every single time he could um, and maybe Daz wasn't wasn't given the kind of credit that he he deserved is is a, is a really good patron of Aberdeen. But it was funny that the, when we went over to the Ukraine to the Dnipro, um, we went over there a couple of days early, mm-hmm. and and so the, the city itself used to be like a former like Russian military city. It was right on a river, and so there was a lot of like Russian like. Um, kind of like arms like factories and stuff along the river right and uh it was honestly like it was like back to the future it was like i remember i remember we we, we were training what the night before we flew in the thursday or maybe the monday or whatever it was or we flew in the tuesday we were playing the thursday and uh i remember we flew in the thursday the, uh, the tuesday the wednesday morning we went me and a couple of guys we said let's go for a walk so we got the hotel we go for a walk and it was like going back to like 1982 or something like that right and there was like there was guys walking along the street with briefcases. This is like eleven in the morning. Briefcases, bottle of beer in the hands, with a suit on, right? Which we're like, what's going on here? And there was like women that were like long blonde hair, but they had like perms and bright red lipstick, lipstick and mini skirts and stuff. It was just it was like something from the eighties. It was weird. And then we trained on the Wednesday night, the night before the game. And I guess there was a whole bunch of the Dnipro fans that knew we were training, so they, they came to the they all congregated around the stadium and started burning tires so we tried to train the night before the game and there's this like black smoke blown across the field and everyone's coughing and spluttering because and it was just, it was just the Nipro fans that were like yeah we're, we're, we're not going to make this easy for these Scottish mm. these Scottish boys um, but the game itself was again it was it was probably just a reflection of the group at that time we had a really hard-working, honest group of players that, that we had a great team spirit. We, we, we um, Everyone fought for each other. There, there was many occasions like going away to play Hearts at Tynecastle and scraping a 2-1 win against a good Hearts team and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was just another reflection of that whole kind of like the, the environment that the gaffer had created, the players that he had signed and brought into the club, the, the, the kind of unity that we had in the, in the dressing room at the time, it, it was just another reflection of that because the performance was scrappy, it wasn't great. But at the end of the day, we, we went through and they didn't and that was what was important. Yeah, and I think what you just touched on there is actually a very good good point because it was something that we kind of said to, well, we discussed with Richie that, you know, Jimmy at the time, I don't think ever got the kind of credit he deserved because, you know, you, you say there, you know, it was a hard-working team and even referencing going to places at Tynecastle and grinding out results. 
that was what Jimmy's teams did. We okay, it wasn't pretty at the best of times, but there was always that fight in the team to go and, and grind, grind something out. Yeah, listen. I think I think what what the gaffer did was I think where he where where he was really good was um, if you if you put a good good group of people together um, who who are prepared to like commit themselves to the team and the club and each other who create a really good rapport and spirit in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do that along with signing good footballers, right? Um, good things can happen, right? And um, the Aberdeen group that we had at the time, the, the years that I were there, we, we were a good footballing team. We actually did some really good stuff at times. And yet, I don't think the gaffer gets credit at all for for um, for, for for what he did. You, you you can look at the the great Real Madrid teams that signed all the Galacticos, right? These are like top players in the world. But yet Barcelona for a certain period under Guardiola, they, they just dominated, right? And it and it's and, and it doesn't matter how much, like how good you are, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have the right people, then it doesn't make a difference. And that, that's again, it's a, it's a trait that I've taken from my experiences, um, and I try and I try and apply it to the, the kids I'm coaching right now. Mm-hmm. Is first and foremost, you've got to be good people, right? And when I say good people, when it comes to football, it means you've got to be, you've got to put the club above yourself. You've got to be, work harder than you think that you can even work because, again, the human body is pretty, pretty, like, it's pretty sophisticated, right? And you, you can, you can push yourself beyond what you think you can do. Your brain might tell you you're tired, but you can actually do more. Um, and so what the gaffer did a great job was he, he got really good people who were also good footballers and he put us all together. And then that's when it all just really starts, right? That, that was almost the easy part. The, the next part is the hardest part. It's making everyone kind of gel and come together and having a great rapport in the dressing room and having a great team spirit. And that's what the gaffer did really well. And some people forget, um, we, we, we were a good football team at Aberdeen. We played some good football at times. And I, don't think, I don't think the gaffer got the credit for that. But Not totally. uh, f- for me... Uh, you, you look at, you know, and this is at the highest level, right? You look at the likes of a, you know, there's a quote from Jurgen Klopp and he, it was at the time when Arsenal were under Arsene Wenger and they were playing really good football. And I think Klopp might have been at Dortmund at the time. And he said, Arsenal are an, an amazing footballing team. They're like, a, they're like an orchestra. Everything's like, it's like a symphony orchestra. He said, but that's not me. I prefer, I prefer heavy metal, right? And, 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 I like that quote, and what it tells me is it tells me that, like, again, go back to what I said earlier. When you're in football, you're in the people business, right? Mm-hmm. You're dealing with people, and when you look at the the, the Real Madrid teams, the, the Galacticos, at all these big superstars, why why did Barcelona dominate them for like three or four years? Why was that? It wasn't because on on paper Real Madrid were better than Barcelona. But that's not what was important. Is the fact that you were dealing with people, and I think that's what the gaffer did with us. He got the best out of the players that he had, and I think Richie said that you know there was a player at Dunfermline that was like came from Arsenal, mm-hmm. and essentially the gaffer got rid of him and brought Richie in instead because he knew what he would get out of Richie because Richie's an honest player, hard working, and would do what was to, do what do what was needed to be done. And um, I think that was I think that's a massive, I think it's a huge skill. Uh, the best manager is Alex Ferguson. Uh, you look back at you look back at the great Scottish managers like a Fergie, 
like a Bill Shankly, mm-hmm. Jockstein. Um, those guys got the best out of the players that they had. And, and for me, in my experiences, the gaffer did that with us. He, he, he did an amazing job to get the best out of a, a really good group of like talented footballers. He got the best out of us. And, and mm-hmm. for that, like, I, I'm speaking a little bit passionately here, but, but that's honestly what I feel, you know? No, it's great to hear that, that passion and honesty, definitely. Yep, definitely. And then sort of you moved on to um, after we qualified uh, past in April into the group stages. A pretty uh, tough group, to say the least. Unfortunately, you missed sort of the first uh, couple of games of injury. I think you maybe played in um, Madrid. Uh, but then it sort of came Copenhagen. And this sort of was my... I'm, I'm 21 now, so these sort of games were the first ones I properly remember. And um, so, and you mentioned as well, people giving sort of Mackie and maybe some other players as well hard times um, from that time. But I've just got a great affinity with those, so I'll always remember them. I love Darren Mackie, I don't know why. It's just um, that, from that time, that was my first sort of remembering games. And this Copenhagen one really, really, really sticks out in the memory. Um, you were pretty special that night. Do you want to just talk us through that? <laughs> well, here's what I want to do first, Calm, Can I go back to the Atletico Madrid game? Because mm-hmm. there is a good spot, right? So we're playing Atletico Madrid. <laughs> um, and I know Richie tells a story that night about the Atletico Madrid game, right? But mm-hmm. we, we, we get there, we train the night before. Um, I felt a little something up in my, like, my hip. It was tight the night before. But anyway, we get to the game, we get in the stadium the day of the game. And rough, normally about an hour or so before kickoff, the team lines come in. So just before you get to warm up, the team the team lines come in from the opposing team, right? So Jimmy Nick has handed the team lines and he's writing it on the board. And uh, I can see him standing there. And he's looking at this team sheet and he's he's like staring out this team sheet, right? And obviously we, we all know the quality Athletic Madrid had at that time, right? Mm-hmm. And he's staring at it for like a good solid minute. And then he takes this big deep breath and starts writing the team up on the board, right? The starting lineup, right? And, and after he writes the goalkeeper in the back four, there's another big, whew, big breath, right? And I'm like, and I'm looking at him, and I think it was Barry Nick or someone said, he's not even got to the midfield yet, and he's already breathing heavy, right? So we're like, oh, here we go, right? And, and then he starts putting up like Thiago Mata, Clever Santana, you know, Luis Garcia, Maxi Rodriguez, and you're going, oh, for goodness sake. So the gaffer then comes in, and he stares at it. He stares for about three minutes at the team line. Then he turns around and he's like, all right, guys. And listen, am I okay to say a small swear word here? Yeah, of course, no worries. Okay yeah? yeah, no problem. So the gaffer, then tur- the gaffer then turns around and gives his motivational speech. And he was, he was brilliant at this, right? Again, the gaffer got the best of the players that he coached, right? The gaffer turned around and went, all right, all right, boys. Um, Diego Forlan, he's a shitbag. Michael, speaking to Michael Hart, Michael, just go and kick him, right? <laughs> and then it was like, Aguero, he's only a teenager. Just just go and kick him as well. <laughs> and then I think it was Barry Nick or someone said to me, so see the midfield gaffer, just go and kick him as well. <laughs> Basically, the whole, the, whole, the whole game plan was just go and kick them, you know? <laughs> Because we're Michael looking at team lines like Luis Garcia, bringing yeah, and then 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 at half time, half time they bring on like Samal Manish and, and and Jose Antonio Reyes, and you go, oh my goodness, what's going mm. on here? Um, 
but yeah, that was that was the, the gaffers team talk was they're all shit bags, just go and kick them <laughs> in typical Scottish fashion. Uh, Mike obviously took it a bit too seriously, obviously giving away the penalty as well. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, listen, I've just said Michael was a fantastic player, great defender, but. He was playing against a young Sergio Aguero, who I just uh, think had just won like the, the U twenty World Cup with Argentina, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we all know who Aguero is now. But mm-hmm. uh, it was just funny because Jimmy Nick's reaction to the team lineup was was amazing. <laughs> just like just these loads of like sighs and deep breaths, and he'd only he'd only done the goalkeeper on the back floor at that point. You know? <laughs> no, no, it, it's it's a true story. Like I'm, I'm not I'm not making it up. It was it no. was it was good to see. And then the gaffer turned around t- telling us that Diego Forlan and Sergio Guerra were just shit bags, just going to kick them. What was your question, Cal? <laughs> Sorry, it was just I was just reminiscing and uh, getting myself in a foster over Copenhagen. Um, how was it? What was that like? Just talk us through it. I think um, I, th- I think Richie Rit- in his in, in his interview actually I think he described it really well. Uh, um, for you know you look at the the great nights that Liverpool have had, make it like Gerrard scoring winning goals to get them in Champions League. I think I think for us that night was um, and and for Aberdeen, I think that was a, I think that was a really good analogy and a really good reflection of what mm-hmm. it was for us. Um, Listen, in the grand scheme of things, Aberdeen are not Atletico Madrid. We're not. We're not Manchester United or Liverpool, right? We're not the big clubs. We've got a great, great history, great European history, but we're not those clubs. I think we all know it. Celtic and Rangers are not those clubs, and, and they know it as well. Um, so, for us to go into that game, knowing that we had to win the game, and then obviously the fashion in which we won it was. Um, Obviously, for me, scoring two goals personally was 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 it's it's the highlight of my career um, for sure, and to do it at Petardry and to do it in front of the fans when it was again typical freezing cold night in December, um, when no one should be out in that weather. We've got a packed stadium at Petardry, and and to do it in that fashion, and again personally, just. To, to score two goals for the club that I, I love playing for was was a special, special night. It's the highlight of my career. I think you're oh, underselling oh. yourself there. Sorry, yeah, Glenn. Two just goals. Just two goals. Can we talk about them? They were pretty good. And you could add a third. I think you hit the bar as well at one point. Yeah, possibly. What, what was going through your head for that first goal? Just hitting hope or was that was that did you spot the keeper off the line? So so there's a little bit of a backstory to it and if if like Jim and Eck or Sandy Clark ever listen to this, which they probably won't, but if they ever do, um, they, they may not remember. But I remember my first season. I probably, aside from the Copenhagen night, the best goal, the best goal I scored for Aberdeen, apart from the Copenhagen night and the goals against Rangers, um, probably the best goal I scored for Aberdeen was up at Inverness my first season away, mm. and um, um, we tied, we drew, we drew one one, and. Uh, I remember at halftime in that game, uh, Sandy Clark was like, "You know, we man, we man like, you, you score goals in training, you hit them from everywhere, like, just like first chance you get to have a go." And I remember the game against Inverness, like literally the first chance. I don't know, fifty odd minutes or something like that. Yeah, I'm I just the ball. Fifty fifth. 
I get the ball, I took a touch and I just hit it and I've hit it so well. And it's like, it's come off my foot so well. It's like, a, you know, when you play a really good golf shot. If you play golf, you mm-hmm. hit a really good golf shot and it just comes off so clean. I hit this shot so well and it flew in the top corner. And mm-hmm. um, um, They're bending you with 30 yards. <laughs> it, it wasn't, it was 29. <laughs> or, or maybe 31. But um, fast, fast forward to the Copenhagen night at halftime. And, and, and I think it was, Sa- I can't remember if it was Sandy or Jimmy. They said the same thing. They're like, you know, we man, like, just first chance, have a go, see what happens. And I, I, I know it was early in the second half, maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what exactly what minute, but it was early in the second half. But <clears throat> I remember there's a goal kick from Jamie, big Jamie Langfield, and big, big Lee Miller just flicks it on or, like, kind of wins a header. And it was a case of me just, it was just, it was, it was kind of instinctive. It was, I didn't think about it too much. It was just, um, I took a touch. I knew, I, I knew that I, I wasn't stepping onto it, so I couldn't generate loads of power. So I just had to get it up in the air. And it was, it was more like a lob than anything, but I knew that if I could get it up in the air, there was a chance. And I knew that it was, it was, it was unpredictable. The goalkeeper, the defenders were not going to expect it. So it was literally just, I took a decent touch. It sat up perfectly. And I just, I thought I need to get this up in the air. And I just put my foot through it. Really good connection. I knew where the goal was and I got it up. And obviously everything after that was maybe a little bit of a blur, to be honest. But um, I, when I saw it hit the, hit, hit the back of the net, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was a special moment. At, at the time, like, it, it if I watch it back now, it's yeah, it's a good goal. I know it's a good goal, and uh, one one of the best I've scored. But at the time, it, it wasn't about scoring a good goal. It was just putting the ball in the net. If it was, if it came off my my nose, it wouldn't have made a difference, you know. <laughs> but it just so happened that it was, yeah, it was it was a good strike from from a way out. But there, there was a couple of components that I can't explain it. It's not something that you at the time you think about, except for. I remember thinking, I, I just it, like we're talking a fraction of a second. Is I've got to get it up in the air, and it. Mm-hmm. I took a good touch. It sat up, and I, I just went for it. No, it's good to hear. Like Calm said, I think you did undersell yourself a little bit, so it's good to hear the backstory. That um, that win sort of that sealed us into the next round, played by Munich. Um, yeah. that's a huge tie. Look at some of the players they had. Um, I think I don't think I think Glenn was saying earlier you weren't involved so much in that. I think maybe picked up a little knock, but you were on the bench at home. Um, what was that sort of like? I saw the atmosphere as well on that night, the 2-2 drop to Audrey. Yeah, and again, listen, again, the, the gaffer brought in two, two young kids from England, Shawnee and, and, mm-hmm. and Josh, um, two exciting young players. They stepped up that night. What what a game for Aberdeen fans to experience. You know, I mean, I, we're, we're talking about one of the big boys in, in world football, right? I mean, Bayern Munich, right? German national team players, European Cup winners, all, all that good stuff. Um, what what an amazing experience! I, for for me, it was disappointed that I wasn't I wasn't going to be healthy. And it's funny, I, I picked up an injury, and I think I could probably sum my Aberdeen career up in general and saying that look, the good times were amazing, and, and mm-hmm. the times when I was injured was really frustrating because all I wanted to do was play. I was a player. All all you want to do as a player is play, right? And um, when you get such a good good experiences like during those good times, like you want that to be, you want to experience that over and over again. And 
Um, it wasn't to be, but it was it was great for the club, great for the city to to to, to host such a prestigious opponent, and and then to to go and represent the city and the club in the way that we did. Um, Bayern Munich got a dodgy penalty, I think, to make it two two. Very dodgy penalty against Alan Mabry. Mm-hmm. Um but um, to 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 not be a part of it personally was of course disappointing. Um, and then what happened next was really disappointing because I'd worked so hard to get back from the injury and I was feeling great. I'd done a lot of work, done a lot of work with John Sharp, the physio, and Sharp again. Sharpie was the best that I've worked with. He was he was fantastic. Um, on the verge of training, full training, ready to go and. Something happened in, in my calf, and it just like even John was like, "What have you done?" I was like, "John, <laughs> like I've just spent like three weeks. You, you've ran, you've ran me into the ground for three weeks, you know." And then like literally a couple of days before the game, before the team were due to fly out, it just mm-hmm. it, it kind of my calf went again. I, I I can't explain it. I, I don't I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, like obviously. That whole year, the, the the cup run, being involved, um, playing a part in it, and be having the disappointment and and the success and the disappointment again was um, it's all experience and I think from experience you, you you gain so much and again what was next in my career was was then to you know that 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 those experiences really helped me you know. Mm-hmm. And and obviously you said you, the next experiences in your career, which was a, a move to um, the United States, which obviously you're still there just now. Was was there a sense of disappointment that you weren't offered a new contract or an extension to your contract at Aberdeen? Yeah, there was disappointment uh, personally because my family, like again, we, we we loved being at Aberdeen. My kids were settled. My wife was settled. We we we, we loved it. Um, there was definitely disappointment. I I love playing for the club, mm-hmm. uh, but the reality is at the same time this is the industry that we're in, right? I get it. Mm-hmm. It's it's um it's a results based business. If if I think maybe one of the things that I enjoy about being in the youth side of the the, the game is that. We've got the ability to be really patient with a lot of these kids because they're just young kids, and there's a lot of development that happens. And in in the senior side, the professional side, it's it's not it's more cutthroat. It's like if you if you can't do a job, then unfortunately, you know, the club need to find someone else that can. And at that time, like again, I've I've got no um, ill will against the club. It was they were just doing their business. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I'd been obviously had a lot of injuries. It was it was not ideal, um, for sure. Disappointed. Did not want to leave, but I, I don't blame the club for anything. It's just that that again. That's just that's the the business that we're in right now. Yeah, and and if I remember correctly from that period, Jimmy ended up leaving the club that summer as well. Um, I think he left in the the summer of '09. Yeah. Um, and so you ended up in America. Um, there was a deal in place to go to Toronto, if my research is correct, but that didn't work out and you ended up at Colorado. So how did how did that all come about? And yeah, like was, ending up in America, sorry. No, no, there was a there was a few options. Again, England can again and it was probably like the championship in England or the League One. And to be honest, 
and again, I'm, I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be really candid here and just say that mm-hmm. at the time, like because of the injuries, because of what happened at Aberdeen, I wasn't enjoying my football. It was, it was just like I was, my head wasn't maybe in a good place, and um, I thought, it, 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 I want something different, right? I want, I just want to experience something different, and um, the, the the move to Toronto came about. Um, and I flew out there with my family. There was a contract initially on the table, then then they took it off. And and again, I'm not saying it. They, they just they, they were interested and they weren't. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's, again, that's the business we're in. Yeah. But um, I got a phone call from Steve Guppy, who I played with Steve at Celtic for like under Martin O'Neill for like three four years, and we had a great relationship. And Steve was the assistant manager in Colorado, and he said, "Listen, do you want to come out?" And I was like, "Yeah." So I remember there was like a, a two-week period when I was still in Aberdeen. We, we, we were living in our house, and I remember just literally getting out on the streets and 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 working my backside off and getting really fit and doing a lot of running. And for whatever reason, the injuries that I'd had um, didn't kind of like pop up. So I worked really hard, flew to Colorado, and um, yeah. The 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 the, the kind of the part of the 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 journey continued from there. Um, love love my time in Colorado for the most part. Um, um, it it was I I just feel as though it was something like I just had to kind of get away from the stress and the the, the kind of like the intensity of what what European football is or British football is or Scottish football mm-hmm. is, and this was something new. It was exciting going to America, getting to live in a place where like. It doesn't piss me raining every other day, you know, and um, and and it was it was great. And like, if you guys ever get the chance to come over to the US, like Denver, Colorado, Colorado in general is spectacular. I mean, it's like three hundred days of sunshine a year. It gets cold in the winter, but it's mm-hmm. blue skies in the winter time. Either snows or it's blue skies and cold, right? But in the summer, it's beautiful. And you're on the Rocky Mountains. You know, you're sitting, you're right there at the Rocky Mountains. It's it's, it's just a Great place to live, great place for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I ended up ended up moving out to, to Colorado, and it's funny when it was like you talk about like a new culture and a, like, a different environment. Um, I came out to Denver, um, met with Steve and Gary Smith, who's who's who was our head. He, he was the manager of the Rapids. He's now the manager here at Nashville yeah. so, uh, Soccer Club. Um, so I, I came out and I trained for a couple of days and I was I was feeling great and I mean the place is like I came out in July and the place is like you know the Rocky Mountains and it's like everything's clean and it's here in the US and the weather's amazing and I remember I came out and trained for a couple of days and the team had a game on the Saturday so I was sitting up in like the director's box um, watching the game and. Um, it was my first experience of like a, a major league soccer MLS game, major league soccer game, and um, just at the start of the second half, we one, one of our, like ball got played forward, and one of our defenders just trips up the striker near the halfway line, and it's a straight red card. Right, the referee runs over straight red card. Right, he's thrown goal. And the next, like what happens next, I couldn't believe. Right, because it's just nothing I've ever experienced before. Right, so like, referee runs over red card. The next thing, the lights in the stadium all start flashing and the music comes on, right? And it's like, 
and the, the guy comes over the tannoy system and announces like ladies and gentlemen this is a red card ejection right and the fans are all <laughs> cheering and i'm going hold on a minute this is one of our center defenders like getting a red it's one of our players getting a red card and the fans are all like they're dancing and the music <laughs> i'm like no this is one of our players i'm like what have i walked into here it was madness but like, I, I, like I've been here for like almost eleven and a half, almost twelve years now, mm-hmm. and I've really come to appreciate this place. Is the US is a good place to be, and, and and football in this country is getting bigger and bigger every year. But yeah, my first experience, I, I, like I just signed the contract, and I was like, that, <laughs> what have I, I done? <laughs> signed the contract start, Saturday afternoon, then that Saturday night again, the fans are all selling. I'm used to like you make a mistake and your own fans like will boo you, right? These were fans celebrating a red card for one of their own players, and I'm like, "What is going on here?" Um, but no, that this is a, it's football here is good. It's it's interesting to be here. Uh, I'm I'm really used to it now. Um, obviously, I'm down in Nashville, Tennessee, which is uh, again another great place to be and great pl- place to live. Uh, in the summer, it's too hot. In the winter, it's not as cold as Scotland, so I, I'm not going to complain. Yeah, that definitely can't be bad. Um, no. Sort of at Colorado, you mentioned your highlight running the Aberdeen was uh, scoring Copenhagen. I can imagine uh, the highlight with Colorado would be winning the MLS Cup. And then this must have been pretty mental. Meeting Barack Obama, I caught at the White House, play football on the White House lawn. What was all that like? That must have just been absolutely mm. surreal. Yeah, the whole two. So obviously, like back home, you look at the 05-06 season, the 06-07 season in the US because the format's different. It's you're looking at just calendar years. So the 2010 season was, um, yeah, for, for 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 Colorado and obviously to be a part of it was it was it was great. Um, you know, I think I think the MLS gets a really bad rap for being. Like not as good. The, the league's not as good as it is, and I can tell you for sure. When when I when I joined back in two thousand and nine, I was really surprised at how good it was. I'm not saying it was better than Scotland or anything like that, but it was much better than what people people expect it to be. And I can tell you now, sort of ten, twelve years later, it's, it's even better again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the two thousand and ten season was great. I started off, I, I, my, my third game for Colorado in 2009, I got a bad injury. I got um, the hamstring tendon tore off the bone, so I had to get surgery, and then I got a blood clot in my calf, and it was just I was out for a long time. And it was like, you know, here we go again, you know, injuries again. But I got back to fitness, um, and the 2010 season was really good for the club. We, we What I can say is... Um, the league, the format, the structure is all very different from what it is mm. back home in, in Europe because obviously there's college soccer and it's a big component and there's mm-hmm. MLS drafts and all that. Um, but the, the, the dressing room I was in in Colorado was, again, a great bunch of guys that were incredibly hardworking. Some of the banter and the jokes and the, the, kind of, the environment wasn't quite the same as what I was used to, right? It really wasn't. It was different. But it was what a great bunch of guys I played with, like really good bunch of lads that I played with, hardworking, um, honest. We, you know, we had players from Africa, Jamaica, Japan, um, 
Central South America, American lads. It was, it was just great. It was great to be involved in. My huge, hugely great experience. And then I remember we played LA Galaxy probably October time, and LA were like they were like the best team at the time. They David Beckham, Landon Donovan, Edson Buddle, all these guys. Like most of their team were in the US national team. Um, really good team. We played, we played in in. in Played them in Los Angeles and we beat them three one, and that that basically like was like yeah, guaranteed as a playoff spot. And I guess the, the, you know what a lot of Americans say is that the beauty of American sport is if you make the playoffs, you've always got a chance, right? And I'm obviously of the belief that well, if you win the league, you deserve to get the credit you get, like Liverpool last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Thirty years without an English Premier League title, and they win it. And that's what they deserve, right? Um, but but again, you're in America, and that's what the rules are. That's what that's what the game is. That's what's that's how it's set up. So you 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 embrace it. And and for us, we I, I wouldn't say we scraped into the playoffs, but we we got into the playoffs kind of late in the game. And from there, the the story was just brilliant. Um, we were massive underdogs. No one expected us to do anything. Um, least of all, get to the final, and then to go even further than that to actually win it. In this small kind of like MLS club from the Rocky Mountains to go and win, like, be, be, essentially be the best best team in the country was 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 pretty special. Um, I had great moments at Celtic. I, I, I can safely say, from a personal standpoint, the the night the Copenhagen night at Petardry is the best that I've experienced for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be part of a team and to be part of a group that that goes on and wins some silverware. And wins a trophy when you're massive underdogs when it's least expected. That was a special moment to be part of that Colorado group. Um, we came back. We, we we won the final in Toronto. We flew back to the city uh, the next day, and we get like a whole thousands of fans turned out in downtown Denver to to kind of like do a parade. And it was it was it was it, listen. It was it was American. It was it was it was not what I'm used to, but it was special. It was a special moment, and I, I, I absolutely loved it. And I played in the final, and I got an assist in the final, and it was it was really, really, really good. Not bad, not bad. Oh, Did you sorry. have a conversation with Obama at all? That's exactly the route I was going to go down. I have to ask. <laughs> yeah, I just I just asked him fit like, and he had no clue what I was talking about. He didn't care if I was speaking about. Oh, impressed, impressed with that. That yeah, that even the, as a Glaswegian, that you can come up with. Uh, fit like and all that stuff <laughs> I can only imagine if you did actually ask what he would have been like but it's just crazy it must have been just been so wild being at White House and all that stuff um, but yeah we, yeah we, 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 like it, it was it was the 2011 season we were playing like DC United or we played I think we played Columbus and we like we had to go to the White House and it was like we were working under Obama's schedule and, it's crazy uh, we went to the White House and it was like, you know, it was, yeah, you're, you're getting tours of the White House and then you're on the front lawn with all like military personnel with their wives and their kids and you're, you're playing some, playing some soccer with them and then you go and meet the president and you're, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was surreal, you know, like I've got a picture of it. I can't really remember it because it was just so bizarre, mm. you know. Mm. <laughs> but if yeah. anyone wants to watch it, it's available on YouTube. Just type in Colorado Rapids Barack Obama and you can get clips of it. Oh, really? Yeah, you can see yourself kind of front and centre behind Obama. I was uh, watching it before doing the recording. Yeah, I, th- um, I, th- I, th- I think, I think um, uh, President Obama 
um, requested that I was right behind them at that point. <laughs> must have been the assist. He must have been watching. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, so obviously now you've, um, you know, you've stopped playing. You've joined Nashville um, Soccer Club. Um, and for those that don't know, you're now the said academy director. Is that correct? Your title? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm in charge of the academy program here at Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. So Nashville are one of the newest teams in Major League Soccer. Um, this was their first season in MLS football. Yeah. 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 So you know, what's it like being? You know, obviously you you teamed up with Gary Smith. Who you, talked about was your um, manager at um, Colorado but what's that been like going into a new franchise um, to use your American terms um, and then also taking a role where you're now in charge of developing the youth the youth of tomorrow for American football or soccer should, should we say yeah call, let's call it football <laughs> that's cute yeah it's Listen, the, the probably the biggest be, being a player to, to, to not playing anymore. And I think Richie said that you know, like Richie Byrne, the player, is no longer he's dead, right? And it, it's very much like that, and it's, it's it's not easy, and it's difficult to kind of wrap your head around. It, it's it's really not easy. It's not enjoyable. Um, mm-hmm. I was quite fortunate in the sense that I went from literally within a week went from deciding I was going to retire to taking on like an academy team at an MLS academy and of course the, U, the U18s at the time. Um, and so my focus had to change really quickly. But one of the, the first things I realised was that it's not the same job. Just because you played the game doesn't mean that like, you know, coaching the game is a completely different job. Yeah, it's still the game, it's still football, but it's, it's so different because as a player, you're really selfish, right? And uh, again, I'll say this candidly. As a player, everything you do is to prepare yourself for performance, right? So you sleep right, you eat right, you warm up properly before training, you cool down properly after training, you train properly, you get in the gym. Everything's about your own performance. And obviously, the, the, the bigger picture is if you perform well, then hopefully the team perform well, right? But it's about yourself. We're a selfish group of human beings when you're a... Like when you're, when you're a an, an athlete um, but as a coach it's different because none of it's about you and everything's about the team everything's about the players so to adapt to that was was pretty difficult I had to adapt to that but um, to be honest right now I love it um, I'll, I'll, I, I, I couldn't be happier in the job that I'm in um, there's a lot of challenges there's a lot of stuff that I've had to learn in this kind of seven years that I've, since I've stopped playing um, but it's it's. I, I think back to when I was at Celtic and I had these amazing coaches, um, guys like John Ward, who was actually connected with Aberdeen for a long time. Uh, he was my first ever coach at Celtic. What what a great guy! Um, then to move into the youth, like the full youth team with Willie McStay and Danny McGrain. I mean, Danny McGrain's a Celtic legend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to, to to work with these guys every day and, and play for them and tra- train under them every day was one experience. And so there's, there's a great quote that I heard, um, and, and I fully believe it. And again, I'm going to kind of repeat what I said earlier about we're in the people business, we deal with people, right? Um, pe- people don't remember what you say, they don't remember what you do, but they always remember how you make them feel, right? And I remember my times at Celtic, there was times when you just felt great because the people that were leading you, the people that were your coaches, the games that you played, again, 
I couldn't tell you how many goals I scored or how many good games I played for the academy at Celtic. But I remember the times when I felt brilliant. And so, so what 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 we want to do here at Nashville is, uh, and, and our leadership here is amazing. Our owner John Ingram is, he's hands on. He he comes out to academy games, friendly games. He's the guy's amazing. Ian Eyre, our chief executive, is the same. Ian was the chief executive of Liverpool for 10 years. Hmm. Vast wealth of experience and actually cares about the academy programme. Um, same thing for my general manager, Mike Jacobs. Same thing. He, 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 he came through, kind of like, he worked with Kansas City for a long time. Like, they've got such an interest in the academy programme. V- very similar to Aberdeen, I would say, because Aberdeen have got a great reputation for bringing through young players, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we want to replicate that here. But, um, you know, like, our, our main job is, like, we, we know that the majority of kids that play for play for National Soccer Club's academy are not going to be professional players. That, that's just the truth. That's the reality, right? The, 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 the information and history just tells you that, right? So what we want is for every single player to leave this club having a great feeling. They, they, like, they, they don't remember maybe what was said or what was done, but they remember that it was just they loved it. And that, that's our kind of main focus. And I, I look back at all my experiences and I draw up on all those experiences and I can, say, I can safely say that we're, 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 making a, we're making a lot of really good progress and, and, and try to create the same environment that I've experienced and, uh, for, for our young players. Um, no, that's great, Jamie. We really appreciate um, you know you, you taking the time tonight, well, this afternoon for for you, um, to spend time with us going through your career, and you know more specifically for a lot of those of you tuning in um, at Aberdeen. And I hope you've enjoyed hearing from Jamie. I know Callum, you'll have certainly enjoyed some of those stories. Definitely, yeah. But as I said, it was sort of like the first sort of period in my life that's what I remember and actual being at the games and uh, just reliving some of the memories rejogging it was just lovely yeah I very, very much enjoyed it thank you very yeah. much Jamie listen, yeah listen guys I want to say that obviously I listen to the, the podcast with Richie you guys are doing a great job I think it's so professional really engaging um, it's it's for me it's a privilege to be able to talk to you guys and reminisce a little bit I, I don't I really don't do it often I, I don't jump into podcasts or chat much about my career I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I find that I'm fairly kind of quiet about on that that side of things um, but it, it was it was really enjoyable and you guys did a great job so really appreciate it yeah no Jamie and just want to say thanks for you know taking the time out you know we've messaged some of your other teammates you know Chris Clark Scott Severin um, but you know it was it's really appreciated that, that you giving up time in your day obviously the, the time difference as well you know we know you're driving about so you've got us on the hands-free device and taking that time just to go through it we do really appreciate it obviously and thanks for the the kind feedback um as well so thanks again um have a good christmas when it comes and all the best with your um academy at nashville yeah pleasure guys let's let's stay in touch and 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 best, best wishes definitely thanks very much jamie well there we have it folks that concludes the podcast with jamie smith we hope you've all enjoyed that interview and we also hope you have enjoyed your christmas as well thank you very very much for your support throughout the year since we begun and also on this show too and also why not subscribe if you're watching on youtube that is like the video too uh, follow us on any of the streaming platforms that you're listening into. Follow us on Twitter at RTG underscore podcast. All the rest of our links will be in the description. But most importantly, enjoy the rest of the festivities.